0: Let's pray. Jesus, we just um, we know that your word, Lord, is a fire and a hammer. And it's a soft melody also. So we just pray, Lord, that you would use your word to fashion us and shape us. And, Lord, increase a, a greater depth in our heart to know who you are and to, to love and adore you we pray for just an anointing by the Holy Spirit to our hearts and to our ears to your glory Amen well eventually we're going to get into a few of the Proverbs I'd like to begin by um, making a profound statement I know you're not accustomed to that. (laughs) Life isn't easy. You got that? There are periods of rest, but they're normally very temporary, and then the battle resumes. Problems range from minor irritations, like getting a call to jury duty at a very inconvenient time, to major disasters like a serious illness or the rupture of a relationship with a loved one. We'd like to navigate life in a way that minimizes or causes the difficulties to disappear, but the Bible, however, never suggests that a follower of God will have a life free of problems. If anything, it says the opposite. Second Corinthians 1.5 says, For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. You know, even our joys are linked with suffering. Pure joy will come, but only in heaven. On earth, As we well know, we can expect problems. So how do we handle problems? How do we deal with difficult situations or difficult people? Did you look at me? Really, you and and (laughs) Richard. Richard are right in the same line, so take your pick. what do we say and how do we act the Bible's got a word that describes a person that navigates life well the word is wise and it's kindred word wisdom and it's a foundational word in the book of Proverbs you'll find it throughout the whole book And the basic idea is that wisdom is the skill of living. It's practical knowledge that helps a person know how to act and how to speak in different situations. Wisdom imparts the ability to avoid problems and the skill to handle them when they present themselves. Wisdom is not just Intelligence, not just pure intelligence. That's not the focus of biblical wisdom. Proverbs attribute wisdom to a series of animals, not because they've got great intelligence, but because they know how to navigate life well. Proverbs 30, 24 through 28, reads, Four things are small in the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. The ants are not a strong people, but they prepare their food in the summer. The shephardim, some translations say hydra- hydraxes, others say rock cones It's evidently a little small furry creature that makes their house in the rocks. The locusts have no king, yet all of them go out in ranks. The lizard you may grasp with the hands Yes, it's in king's palaces. These animals don't have a high IQ. But the verses plainly describe a skill in living that's remarkable. People with a high IQ often know many facts. A lot can solve difficult mathematical equations. Many have the ability, a high ability, to reason. And to use logic. People with emotional intelligence. Have other abilities. Like self-control. Zeal. Persistence. Self-motivation. And also they can persist in the face of frustration. Able to control their impulses. And delay gratification. Empathize with others. And hope. Biblical wisdom is much closer to an emotional intelligence than it is to an IQ. Wisdom is a skill, a knowing how rather than a knowing that. Things like success and getting and holding a good job, enjoying life and maintaining healthy relationships relate to an EQ, an emotional quotient, rather than an intelligence quotient. So what's a proverb? A biblical proverb is a statement of wisdom for godly living. They're general principles, practical wisdom. They're the application of the knowledge of God to real life. First of all, they're inspired. They come from the mouth of God. But we don't follow Proverbs in order to get certain things they seem to offer. We follow Proverbs to honor God. When we read Proverbs, we realize we've not been wise. In fact, we've been very foolish. We've been sinful. We read the law in the Old Testament and we realize we haven't kept the law. We've been disobedient. We need the one who's very wise and who died for our sins. Proverbs, like the whole Old Testament, point to Christ, who is wisdom itself, who's the word of God. We need wisdom But without a heart for God, our wisdom won't work. It will fail. You have to have a heart for God or you never will accomplish and have the wisdom that the Bible commands you to have. The first nine chapters of Proverbs are introductory. And they're written in a paragraph form for the most part. They stress the value of wisdom and the character required to pursue it with diligence. They warn of the devastation sure to come in the end for anyone who chooses the opposite, which is folly. From chapter 10 on, the Proverbs are short, pithy, or terse, concise <coughs> sayings. Occasionally, they're arranged by topic, but not very often. They're intended to be, or as intended as instructions of a loving father to his children. If we aren't God's children through faith in Christ, we won't be able to follow these instructions. And if we are, we will hunger to do just that. So we read Proverbs to gain wisdom, which is the ability to navigate life. It's skillful living from God's perspective. I'd like to look at the first seven verses in the first chapter of Proverbs. And I find, and I expect most people do, that it's very easy to read through Proverbs real quickly. And when you get through, you're not real sure of what you read or how much it's stored in your heart. But if you take the time, and if I'll take the time to read these and meditate on them, they're very deep. They will change your life. They will change my life. First seven verses say, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge, and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. To understand a proverb, and a figure the words of the wise and their riddles the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge fools despise wisdom and instruction the first verse tells us these are the Proverbs of Solomon who reigned from 971 to 931 B.C. So 40 years, which is typical of a lot of the kings back then. But it's a little bit more complex than that. Because other sections of the book seem to attribute some of the proverbs, at least, to other people. There are a couple of places that mention a group simply called the wise. Chapter 30 and 31 mention two unknown kings that we know, know absolutely nothing about except their names here. One is Agar, A-G-U-R. The other is Lemuel. The word instruction is found in verses 2 and 3 and more than 30 times throughout the book. Instruction. Instruction in how to live. Instruction in righteousness. It's all through the book. And instruction includes both correction and discipline in its meaning. The word understanding is found in verses 2, 5, and 6. And it's the ability to look to the heart of an issue. And to discern the differences at stake in the choices being considered. Prudence. Prudence. The word we don't use very often these days. It conveys ideas like cleverness or shrewdness. The word knowledge is used countless times in scripture. And the implication is knowing and doing what God requires us. In a fervent and consistent manner. Verse 7 gives us what's been called the motto of the book. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 9 and 10 says exactly the same thing, only it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So knowledge and wisdom are connected together and don't seem to be able to be separated. We must be aware that there's no wisdom without God. The wise have to be open to God's foundational role in the world and in their lives or they're not wise verses 4 and 5 tell us that these proverbs are for all people the naive, the simple the ignorant, the youth or the already experienced the aim is teachability the willingness to to grow in wisdom no matter how, how far along a person already is. You don't reach an end. Teachability. That's what the Bible calls for. When godly instructions are ignored, the resulting correction and discipline is awful painful. But the end goal is to obtain godly wisdom. One example about correction and discipline and painful, you'll find in both Proverbs 5 and 7 in the warning against adultery. The teacher or father is warning his son of what seems to be all sweetness and life from the lips of an alluring woman. But underneath the words is the smell of death. At the end, the one that succumbs to adultery, the fallen one, says, How I hated discipline, and my heart hated reproof. I did not listen to my teachers. I am at the brink of utter ruin. That's the result of not following the wisdom the admonition admonition of the Lord the reason that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of both knowledge and wisdom is that the moral life begins with reverence and humility before the maker and redeemer the last clause of verse 7 tells us the fool is excluded because fools despise wisdom and instruction remember it says fools despise wisdom and instruction they are excluded because of that very reason by definition fools cannot participate in wisdom why? because they reject God Psalm 14 1 says the fool says in his heart there is no God you reject God folly is on the only end in sight. This sets up the contrast between wisdom and folly that dominates the entire book of Proverbs. The way of wisdom, righteousness, and the fear of the Lord is set against the way of folly, evil, and scoffing. If we skip to Proverbs 1.22 Which says, How long, O naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing, and fools hate knowledge. What you've got in verse 121, it shows us a downward progression of those that refuse the call of wisdom. Wisdom, wisdom is not whispering in the streets. She's calling in the street. She says in verse 22 How long, you simple ones, will you love being simple minded? And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing, and fools hate knowledge. Wisdom says, How long? Meaning, you've had long enough. You should have answered my call by now. The call is to the simple ones, the immature or ignorant, and they're perfectly content in the state that they're in. They're simple-minded. They've yet to make a full commitment to either wisdom or folly, and to wait any longer is to inch closer to the scorners and the fools. The scoffer or the mocker, mocker or scorner is the one that resists discipline of the wise. He's the man who's haughty and acts with arrogant pride. The scoffer has gone beyond a simple lack of judgment and has made a conscious decision for evil. Fools again are the ones who say there's no God. They're corrupt. Their deeds are vile. The fool hates truth and the knowledge of God. And I defy anybody to such, they can't see this progression in our own day and age. Where it starts with a neutral position and quickly descends into one that's described as evil and vile. I'd like to just read the remainder of the chapter and save comments for later starting with verse 22 that we read a minute ago how long O naive ones will you love being simple minded and scoffers delight themselves in scoffing and fools hate knowledge turn to my reproof behold I will pour out my spirit on you I will make my words known to you. Because I called and you refused, I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention. And you neglected all my counsel and did not want my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your dread comes when your dread comes like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would not accept my counsel they spurned all my reproof. So they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be satiated with their own devices. For the waywardness of the naive will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But he who listens to me shall live securely and will be at ease with from the dread of evil so here wisdom still calls and will embrace all that turn to her but the calls not forever true wisdom is an aspect of God's saving grace and there comes a point of no return for those that reject it but verse 33 again says, But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. Just a final comment. There are a lot of so-called discrepancies in the Bible. And one of them that you get, or at least i heard more than once probably declared it myself is in Proverbs 26 verses 3 and 4 excuse me 4 and 5 do not answer a fool according to his folly or you will also be like him Answer a fool as his folly deserves, that he not be wise in his own eyes. So one verse says answer a fool, and the other one says don't. What we fail to understand is that Proverbs are general. And so it depends on the situation as to what you do. Sometimes you answer a fool Because if you if you take his argument to the logical conclusion, it shows how foolish it is. But sometimes he's beyond understanding, and you're just arguing with a brick. And so you don't. You be quiet. The situation shows you what to do. That's what wisdom is for. Wisdom declares the path you take, and it declares the path you take here when you're talking to a fool whether you back off or you you dive into it. And so many things are like that. And the Proverbs are in general. They're not laws, but they are guidelines in godly living. Amen. We'll do more later. God willing.